How is everyone? Yeah, everyone's doing well. This always messes me up, so. All right, so um, thank you, Paula, for asking me to come back and speak. It's a, it's a privilege, it's an honor, obviously. And uh, I'm sorry that the last time that Paula and I talked, um, she, I asked her, I said, what do you want me to speak on? She said, I said, do you have a series? She said, yes, I have a series. What is it? She said, I want you to speak on Nehemiah, maybe either restoration or repentance. I'm like, can I choose? And she said, yeah, well, obviously. So I went home, I prayed about it, I meditated on it, thought about it, and then I got led to restoration. And then I read this today, the other day about, on the Facebook about family restoration. I'm like, ah, I thought this was Nehemiah in the wall. Um, so thank you. I'm hoping it's going to be good because it's something that God put in my heart. And I don't know about the rest of you, but I just know, you know, from seminary, teaching the word is always really important to me and teaching it correctly. But when I start to read something and reading the, and starting to read um, what I'm supposed to be talking about, and the Lord leads me in another direction and I get passionate about that, I know it's him. And so I'm hoping that it, it t- tickles you. Um, and so I want to start with the joke. Well... Well, snarled the tough old sergeant to the bewildered private, I suppose after you get discharged from the army, you'll be waiting for me to die. So you can come and spit on my grave. No, not me, sergeant, the private replied. After I get out of the army, I ain't going to stand in any lines. <laughs> oh, come on, that's a good one. Um, got my dad. Or say, Nehemiah and Ezra were both leaders, as we know. And um, no matter what you think of, we always think of Nehemiah in the light of leadership. He's always considered a really good leader. Unfortunately, I don't think that's what God meant in the book of Nehemiah, in the book of Ezra. And if we look back to the Hebrew Bible, it's actually Ezra and Nehemiah. It's not two books. It's one book. But they're supposed to be taught together. And so when you look at Nehemiah, you're like, well, he's a great leader, Right? And he's credited for the restoration of Israel. But I ask you, do you really think that Israel was restored? Do you? Did Nehemiah restore Israel? You know, he, uh, he was great at what he did, right? He and Ezra were both amazing leaders. Ezra was always the one you want to go after if you're looking for a revival, right? A lot of churches look for, that, look for, her exa- look for his exa- example. And then Nehemiah is always looked for as an example of leadership when you're looking to build something new, a project in the church. But it doesn't, when you read Nehemiah, you get to chapter 7, and that's when the wall is finished, and that's when they credit the restoration of Israel. They said Israel was restored in this time. You get to the end of Nehemiah, Nehemiah 13, which a lot of books on leadership don't talk about. But I encourage all of you to read Nehemiah 13. Nehemiah 13, what happens? Nehemiah leaves, he comes back, and he sees Israel in dis- disregarding God. They're doing things outside of God. They're not devoted to him anymore. And so he gets irate. He starts to cry. He starts to beat people. He starts to pull out hair, right? He can't believe what they're doing. Now, is that a, a, a leadership guide? Is that something you're like, oh, that's inspirational. I need to do that. No, um, it's not. And I don't believe that's what God meant when he put those books in there. They're, they're great. Please don't understand me to say that they're not great. Nehemiah is wonderful. 
Nehemiah's leadership skills, amazing. But he had nothing to do with the restoration of Israel. I believe, what most of us believe, is that all the books of the Bible are pointing to Jesus. So how would Nehemiah's book point to Jesus if it's a book about Nehemiah's leadership? It wasn't, in my, my opinion. I know I have a, a, a professor who would sp speak the same thing. I think what it was meant to do, it was look at it, what Nehemiah did. Look at what he did. Amazing. But after all he did, even if he stayed, Israel was still, their hearts were not changed. They were still against God. Maybe not an act, but in their heart they were. Right? By doing that, showing us that, we can see, okay, this is about Jesus. The only way I can get restoration is by Jesus. He is the only way. He said it himself. So if I read a leadership guide, I'm going to find out that uh, most of them are going to say, well, Nehemiah is really great about this and this, but none of them are going to really talk about restoration. In terms of spiritual restoration. So whether you're looking for a family restoration, if you're looking for self-restoration, if you're looking for a restoration of something else. If it's spiritual, it has to do with Jesus Christ. Anytime we look at a person, we're off track. And I've been guilty of this. Right? I'm glad I'm not alone. I've been guilty of this. You know, I hear, oh my gosh, there's, um, Bill Johnson has a message. I'm going to go listen to that. Right? And I look to him instead of just focusing on God's word. What, can, what do you have for me right now, Jesus, that can give me restoration, that can free me from what I'm going through? Because if I look at for a man or a woman, it's not going to come to me. Maybe in, in, in quickness it'll come and I get some gratification, but then it's gone. It's not going to be for long term. Is that making sense? Good. Hmm, I like that. Hmm, I had to think about that. Hmm. <laughs> I'm preaching it. So when I think of restoration, I, I, I usually like to think of an analogy, right? So I'm thinking of spiritual restoration. I start to think about cars. Do we have any car lovers here? Yeah? I love cars. Especially, I love classics. Classics that have been restored or original, they're beautiful. They're amazing. So I have a, a, an image of a car that was restored. And I want you guys to look at this, this car and think of it in terms of spiritual restoration. So a car that's being restored from, from nothing. Do we have that slide? The, I, the picture one? Oh, sorry. So that slide, um, you see, I don't know what this is. It's a, a coupe, a 1930 coupe. Um, this car, it, when it was, before it was restored, it was demolished, right? It had no heart, right? The engine wasn't working. Its exterior was, was torn apart. And then all of a sudden it was restored. Now, just like us, when we get restored, you know, we can't be near God, but when we get restored by Jesus, then we can come near him, right? And so what I'm trying to make the analogy for is the heart of the car and the heart of us, right? That car was broken, did not work. Forget about the exterior. Just think about the heart of the car, did not work. And then God restores it, and then we can be with him again. And that's only done through Jesus Christ. This is done for a man, right, person, but only restoration, I can't say that enough. I know last time I spoke, I spoke on it is written. And I, I think uh, God for Steve, who we've witnessed to um, some people in the past. And he always, while he's witnessing to them, he hears something from the Lord. And he said, well, isn't it also written? Isn't it, isn't it written this? 
These are just scriptures that God's giving him as he's trying to profess who Christ is, right? God gives him a message and he, he says it, right? And so with us, we have to look to Jesus Christ for all of our restoration, not just for the, the word of the moment, but also for the word of the year. What is he telling us for today? What is he telling us for tomorrow? How can I put him on display right now? Right? How can I put Jesus Christ on display right now? Because it's not about me. It's about him. Now, once we get restored, what do we look like to God? We look like this, this, this 1930 coupe, right, that's been restored. Beautiful. Now, can I thank man for that? I can't thank man for that. So we got to start thinking, who is this that's going to restore us? Jesus, our Christ, the Messiah, Yeshua, Yahshua, right? He's going to restore us. I feel like that's so heavy, I can't say it enough. Because I feel like we, we look to um, how-to books, um, you know, leadership guides, like how to improve, but we forget that Jesus Christ is in us, Holy Spirit is in us, God's temple is right here, and he wants to work through us. But do, we, do I quiet myself enough to say, God, what do you want to tell me right now to do about this problem? I don't. A lot of times I don't. I'll be like, hey, honey, can you help me out here? Because I'm going through something. Instead of, you know what, I'm going to get in my closet, get quiet, and see what he wants. Because I think if I ask everyone in this room, is Jesus capable of solving your problems? Everyone would say yes. Now, if I said, is a book, besides the Bible, able to solve your problems? There would be mixed answers, right? But we all agree that Jesus Christ can solve our problems. Does he want to solve your problem? Yes, he wants to solve your problem. So why do we not, why do I not, I'll put it here, first person, why do I not sit down in front of him and say, Jesus, what do you have for me right now? Because I need this restored in my family. I need to be restored as your son. Sonship is important. I need this restoration. And then just shut up. Just shut up. Let him speak. You know, I thought for a long time that prayer was a one-way street. I thought I'd bark my, my commands, my orders, kind of like, you know, at a drive-thru. You know, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. And then I get up to the drive-thru and they hand me that and I go out. I did. That's what I thought. Then I learned, wait, it's a two-way street. I, I, I speak, I thank him. If there's something in my heart that I want him to reveal, something I want him to fix... I shut up and I listen. I get quiet. I was told that, you know, if your mind keeps wandering, write down the things that your mind is wondering about. God bless you. Right? Once you have those written down, then you can go back to uh, focusing on him. Sorry. You can go back to focusing on him. All right. I'll keep going. John 14, 6. Does everyone know what it reads? Is it behind me? Go ahead, read it. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I don't need to read that again, right? But through Jesus. There's no other way. If you're looking for any kind of restoration, who is the answer? Jesus. You know, I'm thankful that Paul brought it up at the beginning because it's been on my heart. Can we just be thankful for the little things in our life? Can we just be thankful for the small things? And sometimes it's hard for me to be thankful for the small things because I'm looking for the big thing. Right? 
I forget, hey, I can just be thankful for this. And then, next thing comes, right? He says, enter my gates with thanksgiving and in my courts with praise, right? First thing he wants you to do is be thankful and then praise him because he is capable, he is worthy. Do you want me to read that again? The only way is Jesus. Anything we do on our own, we will fail. Jesus said himself, he said, you cannot do anything without the Father. Right? If we can't do anything without him, why do we try? I'm, I'm guilty as anyone, or more guilty. There's something that comes up, and I'm like, okay, I've got to go with the internet and find out the answers. Google knows, right? Instead of Jesus. What are you going to say? Sometimes it comes to doubt. I doubt he's going to speak to me. Right? I doubt he's going to speak to me because I'm unworthy. I have that orphan spirit. But what does God say? He said, you're adopted. We are all adopted. Which if we know beforehand, it's more than being a legitimate son or daughter. A legitimate son or daughter has, more, uh, has had fewer rights than an adopted kid. Because once you become adopted, in these times, the Roman times, you could not give that kid up. You could not give them up. But my, my legitimate child, I can say, you know, you're out of here. But this redheaded stepchild, I have to keep. Right? Why do you think God calls us adopted children then? What did it mean to the apostles? What did it mean to the first people who heard Scripture at that time? They knew exactly what it meant. Adopted kids had more rights than our own kids. I'm going to celebrate the fact that I'm adopted. No one can take me out of it. I can't remove myself. Well, there's some debate. Right? But I, I'm not going to give it. The, the point is this. Once you're adopted, God will never give you up. You may have the choice to walk away. I don't know. Maybe. But he'll never give you up. You know, there's too often I place myself in a position of power. A position of, of, of the pastor hat. You know? I see myself as, well, I've got to maintain their relationship with Jesus. And what do I do? I position myself in between my, that person and Jesus. Say, no, 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 you got to do it this way. You got to do this way. Or, you know, you, if you do this, you, you do this. Instead of like, you know what? This is Jesus. I'm here to help you. But I'm not going to get in the way. You know, there's a time, uh, the last time I was allowed to speak, or the last time I was asked to speak at my former position and in the congregation, and I heard God say before I got up on stage, someone's going to commit suicide tonight unless they see the, act, the church act like the church. And I said, Father, what do you want me to do? And next thing I saw a picture of Jesus, uh, Jesus washing feet. So I looked behind me, and there was Paul and Catherine Oakley, and I said, hey, guys, can you get some water and some, um, some towels? I need to wash some feet. Yeah, sure. So I started off, got done with the service. I'm there. All right, um, someone here, I didn't say suicide, someone here needs to see the church act like the church. I'm here to wash feet. So if that's you, please come down. I want to wash your feet. Well, a bunch of kids showed up and they washed their feet, you know, like, like three, four years old, laughing, giggling. It was fun. Um, one older guy and then no one. And I didn't feel like God showed me the person who was coming down. I didn't know if I actually washed that person's feet. I didn't think I did. 
picked up the bowl. I asked if anyone else, nope. I turned around, I picked up the bowl. I turned back around, and this guy, big hand, touches me on the shoulder. I look over, I'm like, Goliath, is that you? I look over, and he's like 6'6", six, six, huge guy, and he's crying, just tears streaming down his face. He said, it's me. I'm the one. I'm like, okay. So sit down. Sat down, I started washing his feet. He would not let go of my left hand. So I had to wash his big, nasty feet with just one hand, right? But here's the thing. When I was looking at him, he would cry and just cry. He wasn't saying any words. I wasn't saying any words. And I, I got uncomfortable. And I said, God, what is he looking at? Is he looking at me? And I get a no. He sees my son. He sees my son. So my point is this. Can we just get out of the way and allow Jesus to do what he does? He made us a promise. He said, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's a promise. You know, when I usually talk about Christianity, people say, oh, it's hard. You know it's hard? Saying yes. Because every time I had to say yes, it was hard. But once I said yes, it was easy. Going out in evangelism, evangelizing, it was hard to go out and get started. But once I got out there, it was easy. Praying for someone's leg to grow out. Oh, man, what if it doesn't grow out? They're going to look at me like I'm, I don't believe. I have no faith. But once I said, yes, Lord, I'm going to pray, and then he made the leg grow out, who gets the glory? Jesus does. God does. Holy Spirit, not me. Oh, I'm dancing around. I'm, I'm rejoicing. But it's not I who get the Spirit. If someone's name is Shannon, I keep hearing Shannon. All right, sorry. Um, <laughs> um, that made me feel uncomfortable. Um, so anyways, I just want to be uh, obedient. All right, so when we are in front of someone, remember, stay out of the way. God, what do you want to happen? What do you want to happen? And may I be that person who actually goes forward and does that very thing for them. If he's asking you, he trusts you. If you get an inkling, you get some knowledge, a word of knowledge, anything, just say. Because as, as my lovely friend said, we need to actually display Jesus Christ so the world cannot be afraid of the fear of, um, what did you say, disease, our culture falling apart, none of that stuff. Jesus fixes it all. He may tear it down to fix it, but it will be restored in his way. So maybe it's, maybe it's my heart. Maybe I need to ask God for a new heart. Ezekiel 36, 26. Let's read it again. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So maybe it's, maybe it's a, we have the spirit of fear. You know, Lord, I really want to help them out, but I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. I want to help them get restored, but I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that they'll be judged. We need to have the, the heart of Jesus, the heart of flesh of like, you know, God, I don't care rats but about that I just need to be focused on you and what you're saying and then whatever you're saying I need to go do and then let the rest of the, the dominoes fall where they may if people want to laugh at you I mean think about this if if Miss um, Lees did not get prayed for she'd still be going to the doctor two shots a day surgery plan all that stuff but someone had the, the goal the guts to say, you know what, I'm going to pray for you. It's not about me. 
My focus is on Jesus. My faith is in him. It's not in myself. My faith used to be in me. Because they used to say, well, what if they don't get healed? If I pray for them, do you believe that Jesus wants to heal? Yes. Well, if he wants to restore them, why don't you just pray? Well, I'm kind of afraid if if they don't, they're going to look at me. Where's my faith? It's right here. If I know that Jesus wants to heal him and he's never refused healing to anyone who asked, I'll say that again, he's never refused healing to anyone who asked. You guys familiar with that? Look it up. New Testament. Everywhere that Jesus went, people got healed. Even when he said, let it be done according to your faith. Each one of them had enough faith. We switch around words and we say, God gives us the measure of faith. A lot of Bibles actually have a measure of faith. But God gives everyone the measure of faith, the necessary amount. Yes, we can have the spiritual gift of faith, but he gives us enough faith to do the things that he wants. Everyone has enough faith. But what if we don't see it happen? Well, I can go to Luke 18, the parable of the persistent widow. Did she see it happen? No. Did she see it the second time? No. But did she give up? No, because she knew who God was. She said, God, you are the God who restores. You're the God of justice. I want my justice. You know how Jesus ends that that parable in verse 8? You know what he says? Will he find faith like hers when he returns? And I pray and I want him to find faith with everyone in this room. I want him to say, that's the faith I'm talking about. That's what I want right there. I want someone to say, yes, that's my God. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep after it until I see it happen. How many times did um, Jesus have have to pray for the blind guy? Twice. Did he get healed the first time? Nope. He said, hey, what uh, what are you seeing? He's like, well, uh, men look like trees. Well, um, let me pray again. Pray for him again. Completely restored. If Jesus... If Jesus, the Son of God, the only begotten Son, had to pray for a blind guy twice, who am I to say anything if I have to pray 50 times? Right? Let's go to action steps. Number one, where do I need to repent for following a person and not Jesus? I'm guilty of this. I look to people for answers. I know it's not wrong, but a lot of times things that are spiritual in me, I'm looking for answers out there instead of just first going to Jesus. Ending up in prayer. If I do that, then I think I'm good. How many audience members do you have? If I asked a pastor, you know, how many audience members do you have? You'd probably say, well, let's see. I have the congregation. I have my family. I have um, my staff. How many does Jesus have? Are you going to say 12? It's no trick question. One. He had one audience member. Who was that? Father God. Everything he did for, for Jim, he did for Father God. He did it through Father God for him. God, give me the eyes to see him the way you see him. I want to I bless him. I want to be the person you want me to be for him through you. That way I only have one audience member to please. Father God. Two, how can I restore my faith, my family, my culture, my nation? 
like Nehemiah, start with prayer. Chapter 1 talks about Nehemiah's prayer, God answering his prayer. Starts with prayer. If we're going to say, you know, um, Ezekiel, not Ezekiel, sorry. Um, think of a chapter, verse 23. Anyways, um, he says that he can do all things. I can do all things to Christ. That's one, that's, I know, that's a, but I'm talking about something else. I'm trying, trying to get my thoughts together, I'm sorry. He says that all things are possible through him, right? And he says that with God, nothing is possible. God bless you. You can do all things. He can do more than whatever you can ask or even think, right? He can do more, he can do more than whatever you can ask or even think. Does that not blow you away? Because I'm thinking like myself, I'm like, oh man, you know, God, I don't like a Tesla. That would be, that would be nice. I love Teslas. I prayed for one for about a year. Even the, even the kids in, in ministry were praying for me to get a Tesla. But then I heard God one day say, no, you would die in one. And I realized what he was talking about. I, like, I get infatuated with electronics. And I watch all this, all this stuff that's happening. I'll be watching how the energy is being transferred. I'll be watching all that and forget about the road. Literally. Like the, I'd be like the guy who fell asleep in the car and ended up killing himself, right, in the Tesla. There was a little boy who wanted to change a nation. He wanted to change Israel. What did he start with? He started with prayer. This was at the time of the Ottoman Empire, and Israel was cast out of their land. And he would pray every night. He would end his prayer with, God, restore, remember your people and restore them. Every day, every night. Later on, he became a general. Anyone know what I'm talking about? General Edmund Allenby. English guy, right? Through him, guess what God did? He actually freed Israel and gave them their land back. The Ottoman Empire was, it was defeated by him, and Israel got their land back. So the thing you're praying for, don't be looking for someone else to solve it all the time. God may want to use you. He may say, you know what? You've been praying for this. I'm going to use you. And you're like, wait, wait, wait. I didn't sign up for that. So if you want restoration in your family, first prayer. Then I would say just volunteer. God, use me. If you think I'm the right person, use me. Because I don't like the way this marriage is going. I don't like the way my my child is is disrespecting me. I don't like, I don't like, I don't like. I need help. And then sit back and watch what he does. And what I mean by sit back is if he tells you to do something, go do it. All right, where in worship am I following others and not celebrating you, as Paul said, celebrating you with a God-given joy? Does he not deserve our exuberant joy? I mean, think about it. God himself crushed his son. And actually reads that it pleased the father to crush him. It pleased Father God to crush Jesus Christ, Yeshua Messiah. Please them. How does that make sense? Only one thing, because he gets you back. He says, before you, Jesus, before you did this, I couldn't be near any of them. I couldn't be around them. But since you did this, guess what? Now they're with me. 
I'm hearing their voice, they're hearing my voice. Jesus said it, my shepherds know my voice. He said, my sheep, not my shepherds, my sheep know my voice. Sorry, my ears are plugged. My sheep know my voice. So everyone here is a sheep of, of Jesus Christ. We know his voice. We should hear it. If you've ever seen the YouTube, um, they, they do this thing with a shepherd, and they have other people around, and they have sheep out there, and these people go and they start calling the sheep, and the sheep just ignore them. They're like, whatever. Another, you know, tourist comes up, starts doing the call that the shepherd's telling them to, to do, and the, the sheep just ignore them. I mean, you may get a, a sheep to look up, and they go back to eat. The shepherd walks up. He starts calling them. First, you're going to see one. You're going to see two. And then they're going to start running, and they all run to him. My sheep know my voice, Jesus says. Now, I'm not saying if you don't hear his voice, you're not a sheep. I'm saying just pay more attention. More attention. Okay? So I would ask, I asked Kelly if she would come up and actually do one closing song. And she came up with a great, um, great, well, great song, I Am Free. Now, we're all going to sing this, and hopefully with joy. Right? Hopefully, not for me, but for Jesus Christ. Because the Father has given up his son for us to bring us back. Now, my wife and I were talking about this. Kenya. I haven't been to Kenya. Been to other places, but never been to Kenya. They have such joy there in worship. They have no reason in our eyes to be joyful. Right? Not in American eyes. Like, what do you have? You have dirt. And you're joyful? And my wife said something very profound. She said, because I think we feel entitled. So let's just lay down it, that entitlement and say, you know what, God? Thank you for your grace. There's nothing here I, I deserve, but you have freely given me all things. So let's stand up. Let's worship him with nothing but joy. And close the prayer. Father God, I thank you for your, your divine word, Father. And if there's anything that you feel like God wants you to do during worship, please go and do it. If it's pray for someone's shoulder, I got that right now. I'm going to go pray for your shoulder. Just go and do that, okay? Please? Yeah? Yeah? Okay, thank you. So, Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this simple word. Father, um, may it be profound in all our lives. May we understand that you are our God. There is no other. Lead us, guide us, show us your way. And above all, Father God, your will be done today, tomorrow, and forevermore. Because, Father, according to your word, you can do far more than we can ever think or even imagine. We love you. In Yeshua's name, amen.